Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 42nd episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this new moon episode, I'll be discussing the power of pheromones, and we'll be speaking with Amy Anthony, one of New York's top aromatherapy practitioners. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for reconnecting with the Divine Feminine. But first, let me share with you some of my reflections on my own experiences with pheromones. Let's talk about pheromones, perfume, and natural aromas. I haven't worn deodorant for several years now, and I also stopped wearing perfume a few years ago. I've started to embrace my own natural smell. Well, I've always embraced my natural smell, if I'm honest, especially the sexual aromas. I think um, a healthy and turned-on vagina is always smells very, very, very good. And that's something that really turns me on in a partner as well, when they appreciate my own, I call it Venusian nectar. I think it's one of my biggest turn-ons ever. And as a sexual wellness content creator that I am, I have seen over the years many lubricant companies try and contact me um, for reviews, etc. And there's only a couple that I would really recommend. But when I see that lubricants have different types of perfume, like wanting to smell like a strawberry or some of some other exotic fruits, or even some some um, what are they called? Vaginal kind of perfumes. I can't believe that those things exist in this day and age when there's such an awareness, especially in the sexual wellness community. There's more and more awareness about vaginal care and how we should not be applying anything like that to our to our the, to our vulvas that could actually disrupt our pH and make us smell worse. It only kind of enhances or promotes shame. This is something I also talked about with. Seema Anand, um, very um, a long time ago in the Art of Seduction, we spoke about the Kama Sutra and pheromones, and I think um, a healthy vagina, healthy turned-on vagina, is an amazing smell, and it's um, it's something that I appreciate in myself, and I appreciate. I absolutely, it really turns me on when a lover can appreciate that as well. And something that really, really frustrates me is that when I go to a supermarket or any pharmacy, is that you can see all these products um, for. Um, vaginal hygiene, feminine hygiene, they're called, and they they should not exist. I've never ever seen anywhere any type of penis cleaner, and I wonder why that is. Why are we telling women that their vaginas do not smell right? I mean, the vagina is a self-cleansing organ, so it should not have any type of perfume. And also, a vagina has a natural smell, and if it's not smelling, um, how would I describe it? I mean, I would describe it as a kind of like musky smell. <laughs> it's cool, not too strong, but um, 
if it's not smelling pleasant, then there might be they might have an infection. It's really interesting. It makes me think now. I have a gay friend um, that I was talking. Um, we were talking about sex one day, and we're talking about by curiosity, and I was sharing my sapphic experiences with him and the difference between being with a man and being with a woman and how I how those experiences compared with for me and um, I asked him once I said do you think there's such a thing as hetero curiosity and he said well actually let me tell you a secret and he told me that he had had sex with a woman and this is someone who who knew from a very early age that he was gay and um, this um, experience with a woman, woman was quite recent and it was a friend of his and they just wanted to kind of go through this bucket list of sexual experiences and tick them off just to kind of experience new things and he told me that he even went down on her and he was very surprised to discover that it didn't smell of fish because he'd been he'd heard all these rumors that vaginas smell disgusting and they smell of fish etc and he, he found it to be very different he actually even engaged in oral sex which um which would say you know which would um, imply that it wasn't a bad smelling vulva at all but yeah, so I think um, I think for me, um, even after using a sex toy, I do love the smell of my own my own uh, vulva, and I think um, it kind of can really really turn me on. And also, I do love the smell of my lover as well. Especially, I have I remember having a boyfriend a few years ago who used to give me his worn T-shirts. I used to wear them in bed because I just loved smelling his pheromones so much. I wasn't well, I wasn't interested in in deodorant or aftershave or any type of perfume it was that smell of sweat obviously kind of clean sweat not kind of um you know the stale sweat on a dirty t-shirt but something that's kind of fresh on a clean t-shirt can be very 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 alluring and um yeah i love um natural smells even the smell like of 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 genitals as well is something that really really turns me on and i don't, I don't think there's enough um, appreciation of our natural aromas and um, I think it's very animalistic as well sometimes when you don't kind of connect on a on a scent level then I think it's difficult to um, enjoy I don't, I don't know for me it's very very important I, I remember when I was with a guy once who had a very unkept beard and I just couldn't kiss him because I just thought that smell of, of unkept beard is just for me very 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 off-putting Whereas there can be some people who have who are not exactly who haven't exactly stepped out of the shower, but they can be so amazing. They can smell amazing. You know, I think um, that is an animal part of us, and our pheromones are, yeah, something that kind of um, really can dictate how much you desire someone. Well, it does for me anyway. And now we're going to be speaking with Amy Anthony, who is a big expert in this topic, or well, the topic of not um, of aroma. And we're going to be talking about essential oils and also different plants and uh, different remedies and it's going to be very interesting so check it out now it's time for this episode's interview we'll be speaking with amy anthony an expert in aromatherapy so amy anthony welcome to the orgasmic lifestyle podcast it's a real pleasure to have you here. And you are an aromatherapist. And for those who are unfamiliar with your work, can you tell us what you do? Thanks for having me, first of all. And yeah, what do I do? You know, uh, I I am a teacher and educator of aromatherapy and the safe and practical application of essential oils. So that's a very tight kind of staid description. But um, I love sharing essential oils and 
kind of myth-busting stuff and helping people explore like their sensuality and sexuality and enhancing life with essential oils. Yeah, you mentioned something that really intrigues me just then. Uh, safety. That's, that's something that I have been very um, confused about. I watched this uh, series on Netflix called Unwell. Have you seen that? Yeah. So yes. I'm very confused. I mean, it's a very great, great series because they show both sides of, of different topics, uh, the good side and the kind of debunk of the negative and the good side. And I, I always wonder, you know, can you ingest um, essential oils? Because I, I wouldn't do that personally. I mean... But what would you, what what was you what would you say as an expert? Yeah, so that's a great question because you can work with them internally with pr- um, proper protocols and education. There are folks, you know, you're in Europe. Uh, we learned a lot about essential oil internal usage from the French. There are medical doctors who do work with essential oils, but they must be treated like medicine. So it's not a lifestyle. It's not saying, hey, lemon oil in your water every day. You know what? Take a whole lemon and squeeze it. There are essential oils have a time and a place for things. And I could go in a soapbox, but they're not meant for everyday use all the time internally. They are incredibly concentrated, incredibly concentrated substances. Oh, that's very interesting. So if you just fancy having... um your room smelling a certain way, would you not recommend using them that way? Let's say for me, I love um, jasmine, lang and lang. I mean, oh, is that what you're smelling now? <laughs> jasmine, I literally opened a package I got from India right before our conversation. Okay, so I mean, would you? How would you use that then? Because um, jasmine's also very. I would assume associated with sexuality, with sacral. Mm-hmm. Yes, very sensual, very sacra. Um, same with Elon. Elon just really getting into that flower, the flower of your sexuality. And a bit, what's the word perfumers use? Hypnotic. Okay. Um, but I digress. You were asking about, you know what? Diffusion aromatherapy could be very lovely. So I had in front of me actually a nebulizing diffuser where you don't use water. It's just pure essential oil. And you would put this on a timer you know, for like five minutes on, an hour off. So if you're looking to work with mood, because essential oils do affect our mood on multiple levels in our state of being, you just want to be mindful that it takes a hell of a lot of plant material to create this. You only need literally one drop of essential oil on a cotton pad and smell that for three to five minutes. You'll see a change. That's all you need. So it's fine. If you want your room to smell like frankincense, like, you know, burn the incense too. So I want to pause. I just said a lot. Okay. So, um, so you say it can just be something that can pick up your mood and, um, but, but would you say it's an everyday use? Um, but you know, uh, no. So when I work with somebody, like I just saw a client, it was probably two weeks ago when we worked with, uh, menopause. But I made for her a facial oil mm-hmm. and a spray. And I gave her a protocol of how, when to use that and for how long. Okay. So ideally, like w- with your podcast, you're like looking into lifestyle and it's supporting sensuality, right? It's like we want to support people, people's love for good food, being in nature. And like ideally essential oils are turned to for, you know, as needed. 
because they are like medicine in that way. So it, it's not it's not a perfume, you know. Okay, yeah. Because after that, I've seen a lot of people. I mean, for me, I don't like commercial perfumes. I don't wear deodorant, and I used to. Um, you know, I use uh, coconut oil on my body after a shower, and I used to kind of make these different potions depending on my mood. So would you say that, I mean, let's say if I was feeling like I, I wanted to seduce, I would make ylang ylang and jasmine and then have that all like over my body. If I was needed to pick me up, maybe some citronella or or something like that. Or even that helps with, um, you know, with the mosquitoes in the summer as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, something you should do every day, would you say? Would you say it's just best to just have the coconut oil on, uh, alone? Let me, let me backpedal a bit because it could be nice to do something for like a month. In a proper dilution. So when you're working with an aromatherapist or go to the International Federation of Aromatherapists in Europe or the AIA, Alliance of International Aromatherapists, these are regulatory bodies and they have dosage protocols and dilution guidelines. So okay. if you're like making yourself something, you want to, I'm holding up a 30 mil right here. Mm -hmm. I would probably only put five drops of excuse me, five drops of essential oil into that 30 mil, depending on my intention. So it's really understanding how to apply the oils in that context. Okay. So this is part of that safety aspect of, you know, you're, it takes a ton of rose petals to get about a pound of oil. We could, I don't know the kilos in that. but And also um, they can burn you as well if you apply them without the carrier oil. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so for sensuality, I, I pulled some oils here uh, to thinking about sensual living and or the orgasmic lifestyle. <laughs> some things that blend really nicely with rose, which can be very self-affirming and add some spiciness is clove oil. Oh, I love that. Or a little cinnamon. Cinnamon and rose or clove and rose go so nicely together. You might put another floral in like jasmine or ilan ilan. So these heating oils can kind of give that kind of rev up that sensuality and they kind of balance the flowers out a little bit. But like clove oil is incredibly heating. It's incredibly antiseptic. You know, it's still used in dentistry as an analgesic oh, yeah. and an anesthetic. So it's if you put that straight on your skin, you will see your skin get red. Yeah. It could be very irritating. Like lemon, you mentioned citronella or lemon yeah. grass. I've gotten that on my lip. I'd like to swear, like, holy, it, it hurts Yeah, when you get that. So the dilution's important, and it would be great to do like rose and clove properly blended in a massage oil for pleasure, you know, or seduction, but dilution. Yeah, so um, so basically having an intention behind it, not just saying, oh, I want to smell certain things. Is that, is that what you mean? Beautifully said. Okay, so um, I, I'm assuming as well, I was, it's very difficult as a consumer to know which oils are the good oils. You know, that's really hard. Do you have any tips, buying tips for people who are not as well-versed in oils as you are? How do you know how to spot a good oil? So that's a great question. So you're talking about like, where do I go? Who do I buy from? Yeah, exactly. Because for example, yeah. if I go on Amazon and I want to buy, obviously you, get good, you can get some good stuff. It's not all bad, but then you get some, you read the comments and some of them are saying, oh, this is fake and whatever. But um, how do you know, um, how do you know, how, how, what should you look for in a good oil company? So there are several out there. I'm going to just uh, give a shout out to, there's Florihana in France. 
in Oshadi in England. There are several others. But you just want to go to a website. You want to see, and you're trusting, right? You want to see botanical name, the Latin name. Okay. Uh, so let me put like Rosa Alba. I was looking, I have a white rose here. I want to see rose and Rosa Alba. I want to see country of origin. Maybe you buy a sample. So an essential oil um, and do this because it's good to buy a crappy oil and then buy a good oil and do a compare and contrast because essential oils are not oily at all. Okay. They're very fluid and mobile and they're lipid loving. They love to go into our membranes, uh, like our mucosa, our skin, they readily absorb. They shouldn't feel slippery. That means it's adulterated. It should smell like a poem. There should be many levels of smell. It is a perfume like because the chemistry is so complex. You could have over 30 components in a single oil, over 30 chemical components, over 100, depending on the plant. So you want to smell something that doesn't give you a headache that has what in perfumery you call the dry down. So What's it should dry down. What, but, is, what is the dry down? You know, when you uh, spray a perfume, a really good and a bad perfume, um, you'll smell the top notes first, like the citrusy floral stuff, and then it changes. And then you'll get like the base notes. You'll That's called the dry down. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It changes, obviously, the smell of that. Yeah. Is, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing I just said. Uh, like, if you go to, um, I love telling people and sharing, go to your local health food store. And there are some brands that are there. They're not like, wow, art artisanal brands. But you could still go and smell and buy something and smell it. The nose knows, you know, as, <laughs> as the saying goes. But you shouldn't, again, not get a headache. It shouldn't, it, it should evaporate quickly if you put it on a piece of paper. Okay. You know, what about looking at, um, let's say, I, I always look for things so when, I, when I'm looking for anything cosmetic wise, I look for the list of ingredients. I want it to be one ingredient, one ingredient, and also organic. Would, would, that, would that be something you would advise as well? So let me first say yes, one ingredient. So you want to see that Latin name. Okay. That is the single ingredient. So if you buy lavender, true lavender, or it's called French, but so many common names, lavandula angustifolia, okay. genuine and authentic. You don't want and if it is a blend, it should say that on the bottle or on the package on the website. Mm -hmm. um, and organic, that one's dicey because if you have people wild crafting or, you know, not all small people can afford the organic process, it would be really nice to have an organic oil. But I think, and I think other people in the industry, meaning aromatherapy, they acknowledge that it's a lofty goal to have that certification and not everyone can have it. So um, when you do steam distill something, and that's how we obtain these essential oils, they go through the distillation process. Uh, even if something is vaguely questionable, I hate how I'm saying this, it's, it's not going to come over. Stuff comes over in trace amounts, but I want to pause because I'm giving you a weird answer here, but <laughs> organic is not the benchmark. You know, it's like I've gone and wild harvested out with people for distillation and, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's a tough question to answer. So do you make your own essential oils? 
I love that question. No, because it takes so much plant material. My personally, uh, I spend time between New York City and the east end of Long Island. I'm grateful I have a home there with my husband, and I distill for the hydrosol. So that's like rose water. Oh, so I still things. Yeah. So I distill things I grow, like patchouli. Speaking of sensuality. Um, I've distilled lemongrass that I grow and basically I'll harvest a pound to three pounds of plant material and I'll get my hydrosol because that's what I want. And then I might get this much essential oil, like mm -hmm. even less than a milliliter. <laughs> so what got you into this industry? Were you always interested in aromas? Uh, it's tough. So the, the, the answer I couldn't have told you when I started studying in 2012 is that I was always connected with nature. I know I needed it, but I moved to New York City. I went to college here and um, I knew I was missing nature. And the essential oils over time, they found me and I was compelled to study, not knowing why, but looking back, it was my connection to nature. And that is a big part of my message to share with the world is that the essential oils are a way to connect with nature. Because if you're stuck, you know, you're in Barcelona, I'm in New York City most of the time, it's pretty crazy. And if I can make a blend and put it in my coconut oil that I put over myself or smell something once a day, you're changing yourself, you know, you're helping yourself. Definitely, I've, um, I've found since I've had a spiritual awakening about maybe five years ago now that I I don't really want to use deodorant anymore, and and also commercial perfumes really bug me. Do you, do you think this is normal? And I'm also more attracted to. Um, I mean, like yesterday I was at an artisan fair, and it was all um, you know organic teas and in handmade incenses and essential oils and, and rose water and all of that. And I just, um, one of my friends asked me, "What what does being a witch mean to you?" And for me, it's about potions. <laughs> it's not about spells. It's about potions and just being connected to to nature and I found that you know when you have friends that just like wear you know that they're, they're just you smell the perfume before them I, I find that really bugs me I used to be like the same I used to you know choose them the strongest perfume I could find years ago when I was wearing perfumes and now I'm not one one for ages and I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to think about what's my next perfume choice <laughs> it's a bit uh it's not really what, what really sure what to do that. This, do you think that's a normal? Um, if you're in your world of like, let's say, natural smells, do you find commercial perfumes to be more kind of bothersome than attractive? Yes, yeah. Uh, but I just do want to share that during my journey of becoming an aromatherapist, I stopped wearing deodorant and antiperspirant. I make a lot of my own facial care products. Uh -huh. um, it's part of the journey. And once you're in touch with, when you get the real deal. Like you're in now, you're like, I, you're doing this beautiful green witchy stuff. Uh, <laughs> and once you taste a real tea or once you smell real rose oil, and then you compare that with a synthetic and you're like, my head hurts. I think it's, it is part of the awakening. Mm. And it is so subtle, that awakening where one day you're just like, that doesn't seem right anymore. I don't know if, if this feels the same to you, but it's just like, yeah, I don't need to wear that anymore. I'm going to start washing my hair with clay. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, you have these, they're not aha moments either. I don't feel they just kind of sneak up on you and you're like, yeah, that's okay. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm the same. I love for mono ingredients with other things that I use. And also I, I did start going low poo, you know, the shampoo like years ago. And also I I went through, you know what telogen effluvium is, is when you have temporary hair loss because I had COVID and pneumonia and I was sick. And I three months later, I started shedding my hair like a lot. And I did so much research and, it's, and it turns out that rosemary essential oil is better than what they're selling you in the pharmacy. It was incredible, and now I'm enjoying epic hair growth. But it's incredible how the plants can really, can really help. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I wrote, I contributed to an article on rosemary, and that I forget what the publication was, but it is, it's in, incredibly stimulating mm-hmm. to the scalp, to the skin, to the mind. It's, there's much research out there how rosemary is effective on memory, uh, like clarity of the mind, and working with uh, like memory retention so like essential oils are not just about smell because they work with their neurochemistry and on a deep level they can penetrate the blood-brain barrier and they work with dopamine receptors gaba receptors and it's powerful uh i think smell in general like with our memory you know when we smell the smell or the perfume of our ex-boyfriend or what we you, you used to wear when we were young or even your childhood home. All these smells really provoke different memories. Yeah, they do. And and that's the thing is they work on that level of you could smell something that has that memory recall. Mm-hmm. You could build new memories. And then literally the chemistry of the oils are affecting you beyond memory. And that's the thing that's really interesting about essential oils and why we shouldn't use them like diffuse every day, overnight. You know, like this is chemistry. They're chemicals that we're taking into ourselves, even through smelling. Mm-hmm. You know, they're tiny, tiny, tiny. So, so you make your own blends then. You make you, you make you make special blends. So what would you make? What kind of blend would you make for, let's say, libido boosting? Um <laughs> I have a bunch here. So it depends on what we want to do, but there's kind of a greatest hits palette that the aromatherapist would choose from. And I am doing a disservice to the industry by giving this shout out, but there's been research on, see, I should know the Latin name, Picea, Blue Spruce. Specifically, a lot of men are working with it to boost testosterone, Um, which I think is interesting. But women, we have testosterone too. So it could be interesting to incorporate that into a blend. But when I look at my oils here and I'm thinking about some of the greatest hits, like for libido, first, like with aromatherapy, you really want to look at your you and how are you doing right now? You need to feel calm, right? To be to get into the mood, you should ideally be calm and feel comfortable. I don't know, would you agree with me? Absolutely. So I want to support that. And that's when we can start to turn to things like some of the greatest hits, like patchouli is one of the go-tos. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a video and a writing about it where if, time and time again, like it chills you out. And my one-liner is it gets into your hips. It lets you sink in to your body. So you can really get in there. Patchouli and rose. So rose is like a centerpiece for that self-love and chilling out and then if i wanted to add a little of that exotic kick i might turn to the jasmine 
uh, or the Elon Elon. They aren't interchangeable. They have each has their own. Like Jasmine's a bit more hypnotic, and it has the notes of like that indole and a little dirt. And Elon Elon is just she always reminds me if you were to lay on a chaise lounge and just like hang out, You're like fan me and feed me grapes, you know, like that's conjuring Elon Elon. Um, and someone that's not well known in the essential oil market, but um, it's an herb, Damiana. Ternera de oh, is the Latin. I have those oh, sometimes. That's a real libido, libido booster. I have personally had some exchanges with my spouse for like when this is going into the mix, it's just like, wow. <laughs> so it is, it is a libido booster. It's not easy to find. So this is part of the holistic approach to aromatherapy. It's not always about the oil. You could take the tea mm-hmm. or the tincture from the herb. So you might want to blend Damiana with Jasmine and, um, Maybe a like kind of uh, again patchouli or some centering with like a, an atlas cedar or a cedrus deodora, one of some of the cedar trees. So I'm gonna do this right now. I'm opening some bottles, and if you want to get really pricey, you could put oud in the mix or agar wood. Be careful of sourcing. Don't buy it off of Etsy. Um, <laughs> I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, so I'm going to smell Damiana with cedar wood and this new, I'll give him a shout out, my friend um, Krishana at Nisarga Farms in India. I just got this Jasmine Otto from him. Where did it go? (laughs) And um, very exciting. So if you were to smell that together and let that take you away and maybe put it in a... Oh, massage oil. Like that just hit me right in my third eye. <laughs> wow. Wow. And it's really calming. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's heady. So th- that was just, wow. Just an example of just, you can smell and be with this stuff and just let it sink in and see what happens. It's really interesting. So what about do you what about do you make blends for more kind of spiritual purposes? Let's say for I've seen online blends for let's say manifesting money or abundance, you know things that relate to let's say the sacral or the solar plexus chakra. That's a really cool question because I had never thought of it. I don't work through that approach because mm. I think generally the folks that find me because to, to have a consultation with me it's in uh, in person only and by referral because okay. like you you live in Barcelona like uh, I work for my apartment and I just don't want anyone from New York City coming into my apartment um, but generally I work with anxiety confidence sleep so kind of those fundamental ways of how can I help you support feelings of you know confidence or things like that just i just saw someone again we worked with sleep and menopause but also anxiety about her symptoms so it's a slightly i guess different approach but it's the same it's the same thing because i'm working from the same palette of oils that other aromatherapists work with okay so you must have a very um developed sense of smell now to work in this 
Yeah, it's it's like any muscle. Yeah. Like I like the saying like you're not born a food critic, you're not born a perfumer, right? You're not born like you have to learn this stuff and when you smell the oils and different oils from different parts of the world, that's why I suggested you know, to to you and your listeners go get a sh- crappy oil. You know, like one just off the shelf at a health food store and then try to get one from a place that aromatherapist shop at, like Oshadi is one I mentioned in the UK, uh, Fragrant Earth. There's like so many. Um, by the way, as a side note, if you go to Instagram and go to like the Alliance of International Aromatherapists or the International Federation of Aromatherapists, see who those people are following. Oh, that's a really good tip. Those are the those are the companies that you want to look to. Honestly, I'm not bashing Etsy and stuff and Amazon, but don't go there, you know? Because um, so anyway, I got so sidetracked. Bring me back on track. <laughs> They're just learning your sense of smell, but but I mean that must be that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, I suppose. I mean, when you're you know inhaling um or smelling. Un- unpleasant smells that could maybe bother you bother you more would you say it does well like you said before yes because when you're attuned to this different approach of smelling real but concentrated ingredients smelling someone's overwhelming perfume is awful just in the lobby here in my apartment building the uh, super part-time super washes with there's a brand called fabuloso here in the u.s it's terrible and it like gives you a headache, and you're like, "This is making me miserable." I have to ask him to stop using it. But yeah, it makes you more attuned to the bad car fresheners that are in the taxi drivers or Uber drivers, the uh, the fragrances that are just pumped into stores. It's you become really aware of the bad stuff that we're inhaling all the time around us, and a lot of people aren't aware of it because I think a lot of people are like. Oh, it's smell, you know, whatever. It's, it's a... yeah. I was just thinking of shop smell. Yeah, there's a lot of that uh, around. <laughs> Bad. And also, as we're thinking about um, the uh, Unwell series, I thought it was so interesting how they showed some good parts of um, you know essential oils and how they were healing people. But then the bad side about coming becoming MLMs. I mean, that's something that I really can't stand <laughs> personally. But it's uh, it's crazy how something so pure can be used or transmuted to be not not such a good thing. <laughs> you know, where greed gets involved, and it's not about healing anymore. Yeah. Not not always about the best quality as well. That's the thing, and I I really try professionally to stay neutral and to not bash anyone. So I'm just. Yeah. Um, but something that I w- I used to teach aromatherapy level one and level two certification. I just started really teaching the level two and then the pandemic hit. But I would always share with students, and this is how I feel like my goal is not to see you every month as a client. I'd love to see you a few times a year if this modality works for you. But like the person I just saw with her menopause, she's like, and let's do another blend together. And I'm like, Let's you wait and let's work together in the spring. I'd love to see you again, but let's see how this goes. You know, like, I don't want this to be consumptive. I'm aware of how much plant material it takes. I'm aware of, oh my gosh, all the bottling and packaging. Like, I hate the consumptive part of it, like in the unwell part. Like, mm. 
you're making money off the backs of other people. I mean, we all do that in a way in our world, but it's like there's someone that helped those plants grow. Someone harvested. There's women in India wake, waking up in the early morning to hand pick jasmine. Yeah. You know, like there is a real, you know, global supply chain, you know, I'm saying it that way because the pandemic really showed us how how connected we are, right? But it's, I'm always back and forth of the consumptive part in making product. Mm-hmm. And then there's the therapeutics. And this is why I'm always like, these turn to the oils to help you connect with nature. Mm-hmm. And if you don't mind me sharing something, something I was anticipating our conversation mm-hmm. and... Every week for over 10 years, I volunteer at a soup kitchen. And over the past three or four years, I've made the soup every Thursday. And I always put herbs in it, Mm -hmm. the soup, when I can. And one of the best things I do to think about an orgasmic lifestyle uh, is to put my bay leaves and fresh thyme in a pot. And after they've steeped for like 30 minutes, I take that lid off and oh my God like 20 bay laurel leaves in a pot and you're just like that like that's where it's at you know <laughs> so yeah, it's always it's, uh, i hope yeah i just hope i'm making sense here because i feel like i'm just oh, having a lot of information and i just we could get excited about plants you know and not just the essential oil and being uh things to consume Honestly, I'm so excited about plants in general, especially um, I stopped using, when I stopped using uh, tea bags, that was a great, great moment. Because then I started making my own blends, you know, and I had all these little, I I don't even have any glasses, I have old jars. And I have all these jars everywhere full of different leaves. And then I just love making my different blends, you know, the the morning blend, the digestive blend, and then the sleep blend, you know, for for tea, for teas, it's it's amazing. so you must have, um, so um, beyond um, oils, I guess you're into plants as well, because I read you were a gardener, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I make my own herbal teas too. It's mm-hmm. about cooking with the herbs, loving them, uh, gardening. I've been a gardener since I was a kid. So I, just this weekend, it was warm enough. I was outside just tending and doing a little weeding. So it is really getting to know these guys, these friends these plants and uh connecting because if you don't know the plant or try to understand it how do you know how to work with it you know so and that was that's important to me as a teacher as an educator as a practitioner so if uh and just being outside (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean there's evidence that shows that the soil the bacteria in the soil there's a name like that that's really enriching to us there's actually the smell of the soil and the organisms in there. So having this connection is its just vital. Yeah, it's quite primal, I guess, as well. Um, but I guess for me, I live in a flat, so I don't really have that, that contact with, um, I'm, I'm a tree hugger when possible, but I'm not, I don't have a garden, unfortunately, but I do um, go to farmer's markets to get you know local, in-season, organic. So I'm investing in the soil of tomorrow. And um, I, I go to this incredible woman who has there's a lot of old shops here, these herbal shops that have, you know, the big jars and they have the the, the, the labels with calligraphy. You'd oh love it. Gosh. And these old um, weighing scales. I just love it. And I say, I want a digestive digestive, digestive blend. And I get all these 
mixes of stuff when they get like a big jar and it's five euros or something. It's just, I love them. I feel at home in shops like that. I, I do believe I was burnt as a witch or something in a past life. It's like in that because imagine in, in the past, women like this wouldn't be appreciated by society. Do you, do you ever think about that? Because I think in the past, I think someone, a woman who was, let's say, a, a green witch or, or someone who's a herbalist would not be. They would be maybe on, a bit underground and uh, yeah. living in fear. Yeah, you have that. I mean, that's a whole topic, right? Of the the burning of witches and <laughs> uh, that what certain societies did to wise women. But yeah, you have that that connected knowledge to the earth and plant medicine and not to get into the whole consumerist capitalism thing, but it's like a lot of this knowledge is free mm-hmm. if we're paying attention, right? So like we both found our way into this stuff and it's free and I often feel bad it's like why do you want to rip people off and do that MLM stuff it's like yeah but yeah anyway to go back to what you're saying yeah it's when you have that knowledge you're a bit of a threat because then that person's selling the snake oil or trying to regulate stuff you're off the radar yeah definitely do you have a favorite smell or favorite plant all of all of the (laughs) You know, uh, so just to go into, uh, I've shared a bunch of oils. I hope this is useful for your listeners. But like I was never connected to clove. And then for some reason in the fall of like last November, I was like, clove, hello. It started with my soup making. I think I was putting clove bud in my my weekly soup I was mentioning. I was like, I need to go spend time with that oil. Because usually I just use it in oral care. And then I was like, clove and rose and suddenly I was like all into clove for probably three weeks so I'm sharing that with you because there's this love affair that comes and goes and then someone else some other oil or plant comes in your life I'm like ah, here you are I need to spend time with you and it's seasonal you know it's it's how you're feeling but there's a lot of seasonality to it too would you say it's like, like a message about maybe the chakra that needs attention or something like that do you think about the chakra system when you work with oils or different plants and then what what is needing i do in a sense that um i'm not trained in chakra works per se but i did create this entire workshop on essential oils and aligning them with the chakras to support so i do in a very intuitive way think of like flowers for the heart chakra okay for the root and I have a class on my website, but it's it was like my baby when I made that class. Um, yeah, but it's part of when you blend, you get to learn when you study from all these approaches of blending, you know, and that that's part of it is when you kind of tap into that chakras and what plant part are you blending with uh, leaves for the throat chakra because leaves kind of talk for the trees in a way. Oh, that's interesting. And have you managed to actually replace a lot of, let's say, commercial products with more natural plant products? I'm thinking, for example, for me, I haven't replaced, I'm still using aerial detergent for my clothes. And sometimes you just think, you know, are these plant equivalents or the or the kinder equivalents going to be as efficient and also for, you know, cleaning the house and uh, toothpaste and things like that? Have you completely replaced all of those um, products that might not be 
entirely natural? So yes and no, because I've played with things I have made of my own toothpaste, but sometimes I'm lazy and I just use what my husband has. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my most of my cleaning supplies uh, are, I clean with distilled water, vinegar, uh, but I do have the heavy guns. I don't allow bleach in my house. Mm-hmm. I got, I get my husband on board slowly. I got him composting years ago. It took some work. Uh, but I honestly am lazy. I'm letting everyone know that. Mm-hmm. But yes, I make my own facial creams. But when I run out, I might actually just go and buy, like Kiehl's is right around the corner from me. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a well-known brand. And I might just go to Kiehl's and buy that. So I... Sometimes I'll be really good and be like, yeah, I'm going to make my own face cream. And then I'm like, oh, I ran out. So I'm like, I'm both bought years ago. Like I use like the seventh generation uh, fragrance-free detergent and I'm happy with it. So I made these transitions and I'm, I think there's good efficacy, honestly, in a lot of this stuff. So yeah, I, I cheat sometimes. <laughs> That's obviously more convenient. Um, so what about, um, do you have any, a, a book that changed your life? It can be uh, anything. Because I, I ask everyone this, um, what's the book that changed your life? You know what? So two things come to mind because I just was reading an article in the New York Times yesterday. Uh, Robert Kimmel, I forget her name. She wrote Bra- uh, Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm-hmm. I think that's one that uh, everyone should kind of get to know. There's one I read, I'm looking at my bookshelf over here, if you just give me a second. Okay. It's called The Well-Gardened Mind, The Restorative Power of Nature by Sue Stewart-Smith. She's a British, uh, I want to say this right, psychiatrist and psychotherapist. And this is a, kind of goes back to my theme. It like was really supporting, I read it this summer, of connecting with nature and how gardening is healing and the, it's therapeutic and it's worked with to heal and help bring wholeness to soldiers with PTSD, uh, non-soldiers with PTSD, people with addiction, overcoming addiction, and how connection with nature as a whole, but specifically getting out into the garden, like you go to the farmer's market. This to me, I've recommended it to like anyone I could because it really shouts shares my message of get out there, sit, smell, observe, go to that park. You need that quiet alone space with nature to be whole. And um, yeah, it's, I am a proponent of that book. Absolutely. <laughs> I start getting, ki- I need kickbacks for how much I <laughs> <laughs> recommend that book. Well, you can get, you can get Amazon link if you're okay with Amazon because they do affiliate stuff. <laughs> Uh, what about a phrase that you live by? Do you have a quote or a phrase that you live by? Uh, I wish I had one that came to the top of my head. But um, honestly, for our, the theme of our conversation, I wanted to say to g- get back to the plants. Okay. That's a great message. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I am so uh, loved it when you said I got rid of the tea bag. Oh, yeah. They're in there with the plants. And like, that's getting back to nature. It's like, you're like, I'm taking control of this and I'm making my own stuff. And I don't need that tea bag and that waste. You know, it's, yeah, just get back to the plants in any way 
with our food, right? Like a real sensual way to live is to smell your food, cook with it, love those herbs and spices, and it could just be so satisfying. Yeah, I love, um, nothing fills me with more joy than having a full fridge of, um, you know, organic vegetables. I'm, I'm vegan as well, so everything is, all my food is ingredients. You know, when people, when you buy, let's say, a normal pack of oranges, they have ingredients, which you might not know sometimes, but it's incredible. If you look at the packet, they'll have all of the e-numbers that they, they're being treated with. So I, I like to buy direct and in-season and local. So every couple of weeks that I go to the market, the, the produce is changing because it's always changing with the season. And it's just kind of nice to say, what, what am I going to eat now? And then the pumpkins are going to be finished soon. Then the strawberries will start. And then it's really nice to kind of work with the seasons. And I like to have everything loose in the fridge and, and there's there's no ingredients. It's just whole foods. And also buying um, like nuts and dried fruit, everything is kind of from sort of source and uh, in, in my jars that are from old beetroot things. <laughs> yeah, it's just a nice way to live. And uh, I'm trying to spread that message with my content as well to um, to kind of encourage people. Because people think, oh, it's expensive, but people are spending loads of money on alcohol and, you know, things which are not good for that for them. And uh, I think food is life, you know. And, uh, yeah. And to be satiated mm-hmm. by real food, like there is something to that, like really satisfying and I'm just pausing because uh, for just two weeks, let's not make this about me in the sense, but my dog, she's going to be 13, was undergoing radiation therapy. She's doing very well. But when I'm alone, I eat vegan and I like go and buy her, I buy her lamb, you know, because <laughs> she's a dog. But I was going and buying my vegetables. I do get tempeh and I would make myself like a quinoa and baby bok choy. And, and I would sit there and have my delicious vegan food. And I sit and I was, it's like, it tastes good. It's filling. Mm. To talk about ingredients, right? Like I'm like going and buying my stuff and it's satiating and it doesn't leave you empty. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's an expression of love. For me, it's not really about ethics. It's about for me. <laughs> I do it for me. So, and, and uh, yeah, I just, I just love the food. I love food. So, uh... <laughs> and I think it's, um, yeah. people think it's, um, that you're restricting yourself. I think the total opposite. This pl- the plant world is kind of unknown. I mean, sometimes I see vegetables and fruits that I've never seen before because I grew up in the UK. So some things here in Spain are very exotic for me. I, I mean, I just discovered last last year. Is it called Patterson squash? Do you know? It's like it's um, a white um, white pumpkin that's that's got a scalloped edge, and I was like, what is this? You know? And I just kind of I just love it. Like, I'm going to buy this and then Google and see what I can do with it or Romanesco, you know, that weird, um, yes. I mean, just like, oh, this looks nice. <laughs> so I kind of like to buy things that I've never seen before and then just kind of Google and, and work it out. But it's it's incredible how abundant the plant world is and, and so unknown, you know, a lot of these things. Well, they're not so mainstream. I love that you use that word abundance because I feel like when we have and work with the essential oils in a very respectable, respect respectful way mm-hmm. um that is abundance like mm-hmm. going to nature working with the plants it, it like to smile like i'm smiling now it's like it's just happy and it feels mm-hmm. good and abundance could doesn't have to mean money or the ending right mm-hmm. 
I mean, for me, it's a full fridge. <laughs> you know, I love it. I love it too. So where can people find you? And what services do you offer? Do you offer kind of um, any kind of virtual, um, um, long re remote um, coaching or what What do you do? And if, if uh, thanks for interested in, in con connecting with you and what, what services are you offering? Thank you for asking because um, I am open to remote work, but I've really decided I tried it and I really feel like you need to be here with oh, yeah, with a smell, with yeah. the oils and to see your response and, um, and guide you through that process. So my offering is if you go on, um, I have a podcast. It's a humble podcast, Essential Aromatica. Um, I feature people and then I do um, just, I want to make aromatherapy accessible. So just I'm, uh, every once a month, I'm doing my Luna Aroma series to help you connect seasonally with an essential oil. And I have a meditation on my website, NYC Aromatica. Um, I write about plants. Come hang out with me and geek out. I have videos. I have plant profiles. I have free classes like how to diffuse essential oils, how to make your own herbal oil, herbal infused oil intro to aromatherapy and what did I just want to share? Something that's really important because it sounds so silly, but I recently just put up a video on my front page, how to smell an oil. How to smell an oil? How to smell. Oh, a smell an oil. Okay. Yeah. Any tips that you can share? Yeah, so uh -huh. yeah, well, go check out the okay, video. Okay. Great. But literally go find a single oil or a blend that you might have and put it on a cotton pad, one little drop. And I have my hand like one to two inches away from my nose mm -hmm. and sit there and smell that for three minutes and see what happens. And the gift you can give yourself is before you do that, write down, how am I feeling right now? Whatever that is, emotionally, mentally, physically, smell that oil without distraction for three minutes on that cotton pad and then see what happens. Well, how can you explain it if let's say someone doesn't like a certain smell? Because we don't like, we're not, we don't all like the same smells. I mean, for example, you mentioned patchouli earlier. I, I just don't like that smell. It, sound, it smells like musty or kind of old money people say. And I really found it kind of up like it's in a, I don't know, a damp room. <laughs> I don't know, I don't really find it. Yeah, that, yeah. that's, what does it mean? To answer two answers is uh so before when i was preparing to speak with you i had three patchoulis out in front of me okay i have patchoulis from different parts of india i have some from uh haiti sri lanka some are distilled differently it's give give the oil a chance but if you hate it there's going to be another oil to turn to don't feel like you have to challenge yourself so okay. this is the thing about an aromatherapist is this is why it's important for me to work one-on-one -on -one with someone in person. Even if I told you that like rosemary is great for hair and for stimulation, we talked about before, like hair growth, all this stuff. If you hate that, my professional like ethical job is to not force that on you. Uh -huh. I could find a different oil to support you. And that's the thing. I word of advice to your listeners is don't work with someone that forces stuff on you. Mm -hmm. This will work. This is like, yeah. yeah, if you hate the way it smells, you're not going to want to use it. 
It might give you bad memories. Like, yeah. you don't want to do that at all. And my job as an aromatherapist is to understand the personalities of these oils so that I could work with you. Excellent. So where can people find you? What's your website? I think uh, NYC Aromatic, Ar- excuse me, nycaromatica.com. And that's my Instagram handle as well. So, okay, perfect. The book I'm reading now is The Psychology of Money, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness by Morgan Housel. I was recommended this book by several people that I really trust and people who know a lot about money. So I thought if they say I should I should read it, then I definitely should. And I also think of when you receive a message from more than one source, I do believe it's kind of like a sign from the universe. And I've been looking for a book that has more practical information or advice about money. I've, I've read many books about money mindset, and I think I grasp the concepts quite well, but I'm kind of clueless as to how to invest and how to, yeah, how to kind of help grow my own money, <laughs> really. Investment is something that really baffles me, and um, this book is quite different from the other books that I have read, but I still feel that I need a more another book that has more practical advice but then again that advice on money can always changes with time and also it depends where you live as well it can be very different um Europe to US etc it can be very 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 different and, and but this book um, actually highlights how we all think about money and how it how the how our psychology can influence how we see money and um for example there was a really interesting um a reflection about the lottery and how lottery people who play the lottery are actually um, lower earners. And I think it was um, the amount of that people play or spend on lottery in a year, they don't have to kind of um, at their fingertips if they need that that same amount. I think it was around four hundred dollars or something if they need an if they have an emergency. Um, but it might sound silly um, to do that. But if you think again, it's kind of like that's their only chance about um, reaching an abundant amount of money. So it's not so silly in the end. Well, it depends on how you look at it. But today, actually, I, I do. Um, I draw a tarot card every day, every day in the morning. And the one I got today, I can't remember what it was called now. Let me just find it. Um, but it did say um, the nine of cups Today is all about getting what you wish for, which well, wish well. And it says it's a very lucky card and I should maybe think about getting a lottery ticket. Well, I'm going to get one just in case. You never know. And um, so, yeah, that was an interesting reflection, I thought. But I'm going to read you a little extract from a chapter called, chapter seven, called Freedom. Because um, money is not about having loads of it or, or excessive amounts. I mean, I think it's uh, everyone... Everyone wants to be comfortable. And for me, money, it means flexibility and stability, which are kind of opposing forces, the opposite things. But money can give you both of those things as well. Having the flexibility to do what you want and also the stability to not be worried about basic things. Because I know what it's like to struggle to pay your rent, to have an empty fridge and not know when your next food is coming. I mean, I've lived that, that situation. When I first came to Barcelona... I was only eating once a day. I took a night train leaving a boyfriend and I had 400 euros in my in my bank account. And um, I, I know what it's like to kind of really live on the edge and also to kind of rely on friends to help you out, to feed you and all of that. And it's just not a nice place to be, like to be constantly 
um, just worrying about the next thing. Whereas now I feel a lot more comfortable. I'm not loaded by any means, but I feel as though I can eat well. I don't, I don't, I can kind of do what I want kind of thing without being too indulgent. Um, but it's a very nice place to be in. But um, um, currency is not just about how much money is in your bank. It's also health, wealth and time. And I really value time. That's something that's probably the most important thing to me. And, you know, some people um, give away a lot of their time for money. And um, even people who have who, who have their own companies, they are spending 12, 14 hours a day working and then, but I think for me, abundance is about balance as well. It's not just about working, working, working your ass off and then having a big bank account because I did that for many years. Um, not, not, not so much big bank account there, but I, I got myself into a situation where I was completely burnt out because I was just working all the time. And then when it came to, let's say, Christmas or a weekend, I just did not know what to do with myself because I was not investing in my personal life or my social life and I was always happy when Monday came again so I could get back into working which was really my main give me gave me my sense of purpose but anyway let's go back to freedom I'm going to read this little extract for you the highest form of wealth is the ability to wake up every morning and say I can do whatever I want today people want to become wealthier to make them happier Happiness is a complicated subject because everyone's different. But if there's a common denominator in happiness, a universal fuel of joy, is that people want to control their lives. The ability to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want, is priceless. It is the highest dividend money pays. I so agree with this because now one of the best parts of my life and something that really inspired me to start this podcast called The Orgasmic Lifestyle, which is about reaching climax in all areas, is the fact that I actually wake up every day naturally for the last 14 years. And one of my friends said to me that she thought I was so full of life and she thought I was a lot younger than what I am. And I said, the secret to my vitality um, is the fact that I wake up when my body um, is has had enough rest. I don't have... Um, um, alarms at times that are kind of um, kind of um, make waking me up in the, in the middle of my dream phase, you know. And and I think those days when I've had to wake up with an alarm, I've not been as energetic as I am usually. And that doesn't mean I sleep more. It just means that I sleep better and my body is ready to wake up and I feel so, so full of life. And I just do cherish those moments in the morning where I can get up leisurely and and then I can make my breakfast, which is so important, not just like rushing into a shower, having a coffee and, and toast or nothing. Some people don't even have breakfast and then getting on public transport to go to a job. I mean, that for me, I've done, I did that years ago and it, and it wasn't a nice feeling really. I like to kind of have a leisurely um, morning and um, have a very good breakfast because breakfast is the most important meal. They, they say, and I, I, for me, it's the, the meal that I enjoy the most. And then when I'm having my coffee, I'm reading a book like this one. So, and then people always say, you know, I know lots of people who say they don't have time to read, but it's about making time to read. Everyone has half an hour, everyone has 15 minutes. And then think about all the time you're spending on Instagram or looking at social media. That time could be spent reading books and doing things that are actually adding to your, adding value to your life uh, rather than taking it away and just thinking, oh, I'm not as good as this person on Instagram. You know, I think it's a, uh, it's very, very important. And how we use our time is very, very important. 
So yeah, time is such a great, uh, one of the most important, the most, the only asset that we never get back. And um, it's very, 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 very important. So I thank you so much for spending your time listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. And this is The Psychology of Money. I'm just about to finish this book, but I still feel as though I need something else to help me to learn about investments. I mean, um, I had a meeting with my bank manager a few weeks ago and they started talking to me all about these different investment plans. And I was like, so clueless. And I was thinking, and unless you actually understand what what it's all about, then there's just no point. I really, I really want to start investing, but from a place of knowledge and not um, naivety, because then I, that could be quite dangerous. Yes. So this book has been great, but I do feel like I need something else. So if you have any suggestions for me about good books about investment that I can understand, because actually got the book, um, The Intelligent Investor. I didn't understand anything. <laughs> I need something way more simple. So I'm, I'm really looking for timeless investment um, investment um, advice. That would be amazing. So yeah, if you have any suggestions, then please let me know at venus at venusohara.org. And that'd be, that'd be very much appreciated. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I am 
To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.